meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our salvation. Amen. Good morning. My name is Allegra, and I'm serving this year as the ministry assistant here at All Saints Church. It has been such a pleasure to get to know many of you and to serve with Father Steve, Father Spencer, and Deacon Jennifer over the last two months. I'm looking forward to getting to know many more of you over the year to come. In this gospel passage, we hear a seemingly cranky Jesus giving cryptic messages about giving up everything to follow him, even turning away from family and loved ones. This is not what we envision from a gospel of love and naturally raises questions. With the start of a school year just days away, this passage might bring up the worst nightmare of parents and grandparents here today. Oh no, you might be thinking, is this finally the year where my child gets crazy ideas and runs away forever? But I think this passage is not all that bad and is, in fact, very good news. Let's back up a second. By this point in the Gospel story, crowds of hundreds and thousands are flocking to Jesus. The work he has been doing is astonishing, wonderful, controversial. He is working miracles. He's bringing hope in a time of despair. He's healing people of chronic illnesses that seemed incurable. He's walking and talking love and liberation in a time of violence and oppression. Hundreds, if not thousands, have sought Jesus out because of hope for healing, spiritual inspiration, due to curiosity, maybe due to his popularity. On this day, a large crowd has come to him and he turns around and gives them a reality check. The question here is, what does it really take to follow Jesus? Not to follow just any popular teacher or inspirational speaker where you can maybe show up and listen to a nice talk, give a donation, and then go home feeling more spiritual for a day or two but to follow him, to follow Jesus, whose presence and healing power is the full, loving, transformative power of God. Let's look again at what Jesus has said about following him elsewhere in the Gospels. He taught to set aside the pressures of false ego and tune in to the voice of the Spirit, through the heart. He taught to disregard status and social role, to care for people in distress, to avoid love of money and addiction to power. He taught letting go of our binding attachments, 
and letting love and truth flourish. I think these are reminders we too can benefit from. What is getting in our way in following Jesus? What's getting in our way in following the path of the heart? There's so much in our culture that leads us away from the path of love and tells us that disregard for others is okay. That focusing on our own personal gain, personal advancement, personal comfort is the point. These messages permeate our culture, our education, even our own minds. And even when we're trying to walk a spiritual path, it can be so hard to get away from them. But courage and honest reflection and prayer can help us move past where we're stuck into a more free way of being. Where are we taking for granted family norms? Norms in our workplace or in our friend group that deep down just don't sit right? Where are we getting tripped up by love of money, by attraction to power or popularity, by the desire to play it safe so that we're liked or respected? Where are we keeping quiet with someone we care about instead of expressing our real disagreements or our real concern for them? These are natural desires, but we can get trapped in them, trapped by them, without close and honest reflection. Jesus invites each of us into deeper freedom so that each day we can hear and respond to the Spirit speaking through us. What will it take for you and for me to more deeply surrender to the work God is doing in us? What small adjustments or big adjustments are calling out to us to live more fully on the path of love, commitment, and transformation God is leading each one of us on? Sometimes following the path of the heart leads us away from previous roles or relationships, life paths. But sometimes it leads us back to a transformed, renewed relationship with the very people or places we came from. In my case, I never thought I would move back to New York. I love quiet nature places. Yet my path of the heart led me back here. I spent my 20s doing environmental work and living in spiritual communities. I was mostly practicing in Buddhism and yoga for years. But there was something quietly calling me about Christian spirituality, about the Christian path. I grew up with it, so I thought I understood it, and I thought it wasn't for me. 
but I didn't understand it. Those of us exploring multiple spiritual paths are often comparing a Sunday school level understanding of the tradition we came from to a deep adult understanding of a new tradition. There was something calling to me about Christianity, so I went to grad school. I went to grad school in environment and religion to seminary to find out what that was. At first I thought it was just sort of interesting, but it wasn't until halfway through grad school and spending significant time in Christian contemplative communities that I realized this path was actually calling me, me. I discovered a Christian spirituality and path of embodied service that was as rich and transformative as any I'd done before. It takes effort and intentionality to follow a path of transformative Christian spirituality in a culture that tells us we can do anything but that. The thing is, a living Christian spirituality is as countercultural today as it was 2,000 years ago. There are costs, to be sure. Surrendering complacency or letting go of attachment to our own comfort or reconciling with our upbringing or letting go of activities or substances that numb the mind. But the richness and beauty of the path can outweigh any cost. Following a brave new path brings challenges we can only partially foresee and delight we should never try to measure or contain. My own path has been quite uncomfortable. As much as I love quiet nature places, inspired by Jesus' ministry, I felt drawn to a denser relationship with humanity and human suffering. I began working in hospital chaplaincy in Connecticut and moved back to New York this summer to deepen that practice. Hospital chaplaincy is not easy work. The brokenness of our society, the way it creates suffering, is amplified in the hospital. It's hard to be amidst this much suffering on a daily basis. The work of showing up with compassion in this setting is both kind of awful and deeply wonderful. In, in your discomfort, in my discomfort, in our discomfort together, we can't help but connect through the heart. And sometimes there, the spirit sings. The truth is, I don't really like cities and I don't really like hospitals. Both of them are loud and crowded, and everyone is kind of irritated at everybody else. But I think that's okay. Sometimes following where Jesus is leading leads us into a very uncomfortable place. When I was considering moving here, I often meditated on a quote by Christian writer Henri Nouwen on the calling of the heart. And in this quote, I think he's reflecting on his own calling and on his sense of who Jesus is. He writes, Compassion asks us to go where it hurts, to enter into the places of pain, 
to share in brokenness, fear, confusion, and anguish. Compassion means full immersion in the condition of being human. We can walk this path of compassion right here in New York. But it's really, really hard to do that alone. We need each other. We need one another's encouragement and reminders to tune into the heart, to live with hope, to be generous in abundance, to trust Jesus. We cannot tell where this path is leading from where we stand today. Our life path, our spiritual path, is not like a building, and it's not like a war. Our walk with God is not something you can measure, plan, or budget. It's full of the unexpected. It's full of twists and turns that shake us up and leave us breathless. We are clay in the hands of the great potter, who has never and will never let us go. Amen.